Welcome to They Came From Outer Space, a radio program and podcast where we talk to filmmakers and buffs about their favorite sci-fi film or TV show and how it relates to their own work and today's wild world. You can find us on all podcast streaming platforms and on Instagram at They Came From Outer Space underscore. I'm filmmaker Cameron Kitt, also known on WIR as DJ Lilas, and I'm here today with Alex File to discuss the Apple TV show Severance, in specific season one, episode three, In Perpetuity. Anybody live in that unit next door? No, it's just Mrs. Selvig. I still think an occasional mixer wouldn't hurt anything. You okay? I get disoriented. Irving thought we should take Kelly to the perpetuity wing. Thank you for being here and for the reverence to Egan. Praise <laughs> Gear. Praise Gear. <laughs> uh, uh, I, do you relate to John Turturro's character in any way? Is there like any part of that that you connect with? Because I think actually opposite, honestly. But it is also really interesting that he, outside of, I mean, with the spoiler. Spoiler alert. If you've not watched <laughs> Severance, this is a big spoiler alert. This is like one of the best spoilers. So, you know, if you're really worried about spoilers, I'll talk about that later. Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> but with the out, with how he is on the outside, how like diametrically opposed he is to to that internal character. And yeah, I was, because then I related to him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, and so, yeah, there's just so much to unpack. We could do, we could probably do three hours about the show. We could probably do three hours about this single episode that you want to talk about. But this one, I think that this episode in particular really highlights his, his any, his work version of himself's particular dogmatic obsession with the historic history, historic history, you know, yeah. the really historical history of the, the company. Um We'll talk more about that, but first I want to introduce my audience to you. Um, for those of you who don't know Alex File, he's a creative technologist based out of Seattle, graduated from University of Colorado Boulder with a bachelor's degree in technology arts and media in 2020. He's worked on everything from VR training to helping a company update 20-year-old branding and even making a TikTok video for Domino's. He's, to me, most excitingly, was an exhibit designer at the Fisk Planetarium, um, he's a true nerd, a, a futurist, and my favorite piece of his um, on his website is called Measuring Time, where he turned a measuring tape into a working clock. But he also works a lot in 3D and VR, which is what connected us here. Currently, he works at Illumin, Inc., which sounds suspiciously like Lumen. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you noticed that, Alex. <laughs> First thing when watching the show. <laughs> so yeah, welcome. And um, thanks for coming on. I, I want to talk to you about Severance, but first I just want to ask, what is a creative yeah. technologist? Yeah, that's, I think it's more of a title for people who don't want to, also thank you for that introduction. Um, creative technologist is a title for people who don't, I'd say who didn't want to be um, boxed into uh, a smaller portion of that. Like I think subset of creative technologist is UX designer, human computer interaction, 3D animator. It's, it's in my mind, creative technologist is the, the catch-all for someone who wants to use tech in creative ways and okay tech plus human design tech plus human interaction um tech plus pretty technically zoomer okay because i was like this is a zoomer title <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> like the no, no, vaguer the better <laughs> like i i my my boss actually was um i saw a title once it was like chief unicorn and i was like yeah. exactly don't pin me down you know what i mean like i like my, that. my degree was technically under the engineering school at cu mm -hmm. boulder mm -hmm. um I took the core engineering requirements, but I called it engineering arts and crafts, where it was like using engineering things 
for pretty <laughs> for pretty yeah but i like and you know what i feel like that comes through in your website so alex file a-l-e-x-f-i-e-l.com um go check out all the different weird stuff he's done in tech arts and crafts um um and i think a lot of your work and your interests really line up beautifully with this show um personally having been somebody who's worked with a lot of corporate brands over the past decade it really lines up with me too but i just want to ask you like what is it about this show that made you choose it and what about this episode made you choose it in particular we're going to talk about episode three in perpetuity in perpetuity this show i think i'm i generally personally gravitate towards a little bit more like minimalist like design and kind of like this this show is like a very it's like a common i'm gonna say like I don't know if it's even correct, but like almost Wes Anderson-y vibe to it. Um, and I like the, I don't, I don't, I'm not, not, I don't have the right words for it, but I watched it, the, it came out in February, I think of 2022. And I, I remember seeing the trailer for it. I had Apple TV and then I just binged the whole first season. And I think it just, there was definitely a part of it also that uh, directed by Ben Stiller. Some friends and I have, uh, we did Ben Stiller nights or we used to do movie nights where we just watch a new Ben Stiller movie every night. And so then when this came out, Ben Stiller was a, a tagline there. But I think it's just, it's just good. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've described it when I describe it to friends. I'm like, it's art. And yeah. that's, that's something you don't get very often. Like I don't even, like the line between art and content is is hard to to walk like I think a lot of The Last of Us is very art but then you'll watch mm. shows where you're like this is content right like a baking show on Netflix mm -hmm. or something right mm -hmm. you're like I'm watching content for me that's content this show is art and it's it gives so much so I I really appreciate yeah <laughs> why'd you choose this because it's good it's good yeah it's good stuff it, it's art but it's also this this honest exploration like a, I, I really appreciate believable explorations of some of these interesting concepts and mm -hmm. I think like Black Mirror obviously does an incredible job mm -hmm. I think of executing that in a short time but I think this was kind of like an extended Black Mirror episode where you got to sit with the theme and we're going to be able to go to a second season and explore yeah what it means to sever what it means to reintegrate yeah, I, I'm, and I, I, I keep thinking about what episode, what season two is going to look like because it's like I like your, I like your, you know, conception. It's like a, a single Black Mirror episode. Like one of my favorite ones is the one with the grain where they can have memories. Where we took that, take that, have mm. the showrunner and director be Ben Stiller, and mm -hmm. then have a production company called Red Hour produce it, and then actually have time to dive in. The tone is so different. I think Black Mirror's tone is a little bit more mm. like you are scared. Um, and Severance has this really hard to define tone for me. It's like dark comedy, sitcom, workplace, sci-fi thriller, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's all of these things happening at once where there's this beautiful amount of tension. There's this weirdness. There's this like being John Malkovich stuff. And you said um, Wes Anderson, but I definitely get some Michelle Gondry from it with this like idea of like these kind of like dream place work areas. Mm. He did. Um, uh Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So it's like this oh. idea of like you're running through memories. So he's like creating sets that were supposed to be in the brain. So I feel like a lot of that's there too. And we have a lot of different comps I want to talk about. Yeah. Super, super love this show. I'm so glad you wanted to talk about it. And I can't wait to talk about your work and 
some of the stuff that you're thinking about too. Um, but first, I just want to say if you have not watched Severance, it is worth getting Apple TV. And this is not a plug for Apple TV, but like it's, you know, I'm not going to lie, it's worth it. Once you get Ted Lasso and those two on there, it's yeah. like, okay. But Severance really, you know, it was one of those ones where I did cave to peer pressure. And I'm here to peer pressure you to watch it as well through the radio or your podcast or your phone. If you haven't seen the show, um, some studies have shown that light spoilage can actually increase your enjoyment. So while we will be spoiling a lot of the show, the kind of concept of the show is already pretty well known. So I would I would argue that listening to this is still worth doing if you have not listened to it. However, if you want to pause and find us, you can just look for They Came From Outer Space on whatever podcast app you use. Released in February 2022, directed by Ben Stiller and written by showrunner Dan Erickson, plus many others in the writer's room, the third episode of the nine-episode season, season one of Severance, is titled In Perpetuity. In this episode, new employee Heli R. attempts to leave the macro data refinement floor of Lumen's severed floor, while Mark tries to keep it all together by taking his team on an underground field trip to the Perpetuity Wing, a kind of corporate museum. By the end of the episode, Heli is locked in an Orwellian chamber reading her compunction statement about how sorry she is for trying to escape as Mark searches for his friend Petey, who has unsevered himself in the real world. Will Heli resign her innie to her new life or continue to fight? And will Mark find the truth? Question mark. For anyone who maybe who has who is not seen the show but is still lingering around, do you want to explain like the severance procedure? No, how about you do it? <laughs> Um, sep- surgical separation, surgical work-life balance. When you're at work, um, you can only access work memories. When you're at home, you can only access home memories. So these people, you sh- you show up. Your perception is you show up to work, um, and then the next thing you know, you're leaving work, and that is called your Audi. And then your Innie, the only thing they know is coming to work, and then thinking. They, they leave work, and the next thing they know, they know, they're consciously aware of, they are at work again. Yeah, there's no weekends. You get in the no. elevator, and you immediately come back to work. Um, and so you have this work version of yourself that is a totally different identity than your other self. And you can only imagine what the outside world is like. I find it exactly like you said, a very fun Black Mirror kind of concept to explore, especially um, as your generation is really questioning the way that we approach work. Um, and like what we expect from work and work-life balance and like how we decide to be happy. Whereas earlier generations, boomers in particular kind of held this belief that like you work a job 30 years and you, you know, you stick with it and work hard. Like there's kind of a difference in the shift of how we approach work. And I just wanted to talk first about Dan Erickson, Mm. who has this, has kind of been riding this wave of the overnight success storyline where he had like worked at super deluxe but had never really broken into the industry and then just suddenly breaks in with a huge success, has a script, Ben Stiller picks it up. It's kind of the dream that all of us have. Hmm. Um, And he himself is like, yeah, I just lean into it because it's more fun to say that story. Um, But, you know, he wouldn't have written this if he hadn't worked all those other mind blow, like mind brain draining corporate jobs. He says he worked at a door factory. Um, He was like a post meets delivery guy. And all of these things were kind of gelling with having grown up in the Truman Show Matrix era, right, of watching these stuff in the late 90s that was about, like, what is reality? And I just wanted to ask you, Alex, you know, I've looked at your LinkedIn. Have you had any corporate brain-draining jobs that you can relate to with this? (laughs) I mean, that's a super fair question. Um, I've had jobs where I've wanted to 
flip my brain off. And that even stems, uh, my first job, actually, I was the Easter bunny at the Greeley mall. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about having an innie. You're inside the, you're inside the bunny. (laughs) And the Easter bunny was not allowed to speak. Um, cause the Easter bunny did not have a, a gender or anything like that. And so it was, I would sit there and just mime and take photos with kids and, wow. uh, they did not wash the suit in between people. No, of course uh, not. What you were you? Know, 15, 16? Something around there. Yeah. yeah. Um, listening to music on my iPod shuffle. On repeat. <laughs> um, but it was, and I mean, it, it was fun enough. I think after that I did like lifeguarding, um, and not that you want to turn your brain off when lifeguarding is very important, but it was, a. I think there's, I think why this show can resonate with so many people is because even if 99% of the time you have a good job, there is that 10% of the time where you're like, can I skip? Can I fast yeah, forward? Yeah. Can I skip? Can I fast forward? Or, you know, a lot of us began to work remotely. I mean, I think the thing is, the feeling I get is that most of us are not happy with this idea of getting fulfillment from our work. That, mm-hmm. that, that narrative is no longer really vibing with us mm-hmm. is what we I don't think that expect that expectation so there's kind of this war between the outer you and the inner you um me personally I I worked at an animation company for a decade I just recently left I'm going to start my own production company soon but we did a lot of corporate work you know we do corporate internal training videos we did whiteboard videos and stuff And I came face to face, not with actually being in those environments, but talking to people who are within them and actually like reading all these like internal corporate documents that just really reminded me a lot of the perpetuity wing, because so many of these like companies think that you care a lot about like founded in 1989 or no, it's actually founded in 1888. It's very (laughs) similar, right? It's like, here's our family line. Here's a picture of our first factory, you know, like, please like care about our lore, trying to get people to care about like our values and our mission statement. So I've like seen so much of this. And so I found this episode particularly funny because they dive so deep into it. I mean, a lot of the show dives so deep into it about like how if you have an any, the only narratives they've ever read are the corporate manuals, yep. <laughs> right? Like, so like, that's the dream for the people who work in co- corporate communication is that like, okay, I don't have to write anything good because you've never read anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I just really love that. Yeah. <laughs> so I find that, I find that like that storyline of like turning my brain off really interesting. Um, what, what made you choose this episode out of the nine? This episode has, I think some, I, I, I want to actually go back and check, but I think it has like the most scenes, like the most different locations um, of any of the episodes. And I think it's also, I mean, it's where we find out what the break room is, which is teased for the first two episodes. And we we get to see a little bit more of like the, there's always ominous. There's always this like ominous overarching shadow to the Lumen Corporation. But I think at the end of this episode, we get to see, oh, oh dang that really is awful yeah she's being punished but punished in a way that her audi doesn't know yeah audi might feel a -hmm. little tired when she goes up the elevator to leave at the end of the day but this the innie's perception is that the, the torture doesn't end well yeah because if if you can if you're a person if your personhood who 
your knowledge of what happened to you can never leave the building, then that gives the corporation free reign to treat you inhumanely. Yes. And that's and, kind of what they do, of course. <laughs> and shape your perception of what's possible with, with the code detectors, which is a big theme in this episode. Mm, yeah, that's so Where, true. I, I just love things that are dealing with these deep themes about what what is identity. Mm -hmm. I think that's like... Of course, it's like a really big theme in a lot of art. And then the second theme for me is like man versus the machine, right? Like man versus the company, the corporation. Um, but yeah, I just, I really, yeah, I appreciate there's a lot of different things happening. This is this is the episode that grabs you, you know? Like this is the episode where it really starts to pick up and, and a lot of the stuff takes off. Um, but yeah, as somebody who works in tech, what do you think of the way that they present technology in the show? I think it's super fun, if impractical. <laughs> um, I definitely, I've been looking at the, uh, one of my friends is really, really into keyboards. And so I, I've looked at a lot of the, tried to find behind the scenes pictures and close up pictures of the keyboards that they use at their terminals in Macrodata refinement. Um, and seen some discussions on uh, like keyboard forums where people are like, this is completely impractical. But I think like they do little things like, I don't think there's an escape key on yeah, the keyboard. I love right? that. That's I mean and that's just good production design because you yeah. can't escape. Yeah, it's impractical and that's almost like purposeful, right? The bureaucracy. There Can you describe what they do at work, Alex? Yeah. There's What do they do? Macro um, data refinement. Sorting the numbers, sorting mm -hmm. the scary numbers. Mm -hmm. Um they're given different files that have different names that are all I, i've been looking at under the theories wiki wiki page a lot oh please share <laughs> and uh you can find all the names of the different files and uh i actually asked chat gpt to look for themes between all of the different file names and stuff like that and they're all they're all physical locations they're all geographic locations did chat um, gpt give you that yeah um, wow i think the internet would also would have done it but i just didn't know <laughs> some of them were actual names of places um, basically macro data refinement, um, big empty green room, um, low hanging ominous ceiling, um, blank white walls all around, but a lot of space around these four desks that are all in, all in the center of the room. And we, all of our workers at macro data refinement are working on their terminals, um, which are old CRT-esque monitors. I think they're mon uh they're not monochrome. No, because at the end of the file, no. I don't I think I think they are. They kind of look like DOS. So like everything's green, you know. But you remember when uh they finish oh, the file and yeah. you get that nice here animation? <laughs> Do you know that's actually isn't that Ben Stiller's voice? Ben Stiller's voice. Yeah, he's doing yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> there's some fun there's a lot the show is is great if you love Easter eggs. It's true, just true. full of them. Yeah. 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 Everything they're, they're feels sorting. like it's from the 80s or 70s, I think. And the, it doesn't feel like it has a specific place or time. Like they play they play vinyl discs, you know, like everything feels like, devoid of time and place. But it also fits really well with, do you know that like the location of the Lumen thing is the Bellworks lab? Yes. And, and Jeremy, um, Jeremy Hindle, who I think is like the unsung hero of the show. He's the production designer based mm. a lot of the design on the John Deere headquarters. So there's kind of these like two big corporate headquarters clashing together. Yeah, it's like shot in the Bell Labs headquarters. So it has that like 50s, 60s 
feel. Yeah. But he was pulling like the colors and the co- they're so the color design so good on the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, as soon as he said that, and I looked at pictures, I was like, oh, the John Deere headquarters. That's exactly what it looks like. And then these like long, scary, not scary, dreamlike hallways, right? That could be moved around at will. That are uh, that are completely. Um, impossible to tell the difference between right they're always going through the white hallways um it it, yeah it just it feels so dreamlike um but i wonder um i want to talk to you a little bit about vr uh, but first i want to remind everyone that you're listening to wir um or you're listening to they came from outer space on wherever you get your podcast my name is cameron kitt i'm talking with alex file and we are discussing the tv show severance on apple tv we're talking specifically about episode three in perpetuity. Why are you going to make me throw my mug at you? Why would you? Yeah, so let's talk about 3D. Um, the first place I want to start with is yeah. the title sequence. It's mm. it's an award-winning title sequence. Just tell me how you feel about it. Uh, I didn't realize it when I first saw it, but I've actually seen, so it was created by, I think a guy, Extra Wig. Oh, I thought his name was Oliver Latta. Maybe that's the studio. No, his, his, uh, yeah, his name's Oliver Latta, but his like Instagram tag is Extra Wig. Oh, Extra Wig. Yep. And he's been, I actually had seen some, some of his other stuff before. He's really good at like squishy human forms. Like it's very, he's an artist. Yeah. It's clearly animation. And he leans into that, but he really leans into like fluid and cloth simulations. And so apparently Ben Stiller saw his work on Instagram and reached out to him and got that set up. And long story short, outstand Emmy for outstanding main title design. I think it's a great, uh, uh, although I am disappointed that we never get to see Mark in his uh, red sleeping gown in the show. Yeah, but you know, you can't have everything. Um, <laughs> Season it's- two. I mean, this guy, Extra Wig, yeah, he has almost almost a million followers on Instagram now that I'm looking at it. But yeah, that's really, I have to say, Ben Stiller made so many good choices. It just makes me, you know, he, it's nice when celebrities leverage their, you know, money from doing all these, like, remakes to do something really cool. You know, it makes me respect him. <laughs> we were, part of the reason my friends and I had the the Ben Stiller nights is we were, we had some, like, long existential conversation about how, like we were like looking at celebrity Instagrams or something like that and just being like, oh man, these are just so self-centered and whatnot. And then we found Ben Stiller's and 90% of his posts, other than like the severance stuff or if he's promoting a, a recent project, is about refugees and about like helping people. Okay. Yeah. I was having I had a friend I had a discussion with my friend today at lunch about like how many celebrities are really good people. So yeah. shout out to you, Ben Stiller. Um so I just want to talk about like this, this opening, it's one of those opening sequences where you would, you want to watch it every time it mm-hmm. uses 3d really well. Um, Oliver says, my aim was to create a surreal intro, like a world between real and fictional, but nothing too defined. We also got a 3d scan made of Adam Scott, the main actor for the sequence with those 3d based, based meshes. He started texturing the skin and grooming the hair in Houdini did cloth creation and rigging with Houdini and marvelous designer. And then the rest of it was a mix of XN's, cinema 40 and finally rendering an octane that just gives you a taste of what 3d i mean what what we would i guess call cgi is right it's not cinema graphics it's a completely 3d thing but it was designed using his you know base message so so from somebody who doesn't do that can you speak a little bit to that that process and that workflow alex 
it's you super used to interesting. Of those before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's super interesting. I find myself, I love, you, do you know Blender? We, mm-hmm. I think we did talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I, Blender's free, right? Blender's free. Blender is lovely. Blender is just, it's, it's a program where I legitimately feel joy every time I open it. Wow. Um, and you can't say that about a lot of programs. Wow. Um, but that's because it's free. The community is incredible. Um, basically, in my own experience, pretty much everything I've done, I've done in Blender. Um, I bit the bullet and on a Black Friday sale, bought the Adobe Substance Tools suite for a year, which is some texturing um, and 3D material creation suite um, that Blender isn't quite, doesn't quite match the capabilities yet. Um, but other than that, all of those things I do in Blender. So I haven't ever accessed the, the glory that is, uh, marvelous designer for clothes design in Houdini. I've seen tutorials and marveled at how pretty it is, but haven't been able to touch it. But when, you know, when you get over 500 K and Insta followers, you can, you can, you can splash out on Houdini. But you know, the thing is I've seen many, a short film made in Blender completely Mm. start to finish. I don't know how, I mean, I, I don't know how many like large scale TV shows use it, but it's it's something that I think is getting more and more traction as like you can make something that looks good if you're willing to put in the hours. Is that right? And and it's all every time it's about understanding the tool. I tried to learn Blender many times before, um, but then always got intimidated when a ton of the tutorials start out with here's eight different key bindings you have to remember. And now they're so ingrained in my in in how I operate in that program that I try to use them on other tap like x is delete and the amount of times i've typed x to delete something on another program that's just part of me so keybinding is another word for keyboard shortcuts and for any of you out there who want to use blender or learn video editing or any software a piece of advice i got from my um video editing teachers in school is learn those keyboard shortcuts first not later teach yourself the, the 10 major ones and it will save you 10 hours of, of your life a year at least in the time that you spend between dragging your cursor down to the button and clicking it like the the faster you can get and just tap 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 but that's really funny that you hit x a lot so what (laughs) kind of things do you make in blender i would not say that i'm a uh i'm not a professional i think in in the sense i don't know um i make whatever i can in blender um i did not I, I took in college i took uh, freshman year i took intro to virtual reality um and i took a couple of other programs and then mostly in college i worked on i worked in autodesk fusion 360 which is more for cad 3d printing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, i leaned really hard into that kind of 3d printing stuff and blender i always saw as this organic modeling thing that i'd never i definitely leaned more like uh more mechanical objects and so then I picked up blender actually during the pen actually during my uh my graduation was online because covid tears of the eye um and I'm sorry Alex it was it was it was okay because it turned into an opportunity I, I got to make a virtual graduation for my uh I had a fairly small major and I got to make a virtual graduation using a drone using photogrammetry and then using blender so it was a it was a deep dive and then i've kind of just been in love with the program ever since so for me i'm 
anything that I can do in Blender, um, which it's such a wide ranging program, you can, I don't, anything and everything, any opportunity I get, I figure out a way to do it in Blender. <laughs> no, that's... Do you want to talk about the other project? Yeah. Okay. Um, the other project being Severance. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so part of it, me being a little bit more of a of a noob to the 3D space um, and sim simultaneously being enraptured by Severance, um, there are a lot of really blank spaces in Severance. Mm -hmm. A lot of clean walls. There's a lot of really long, um, a lot of geometry that felt accessible um, to me. And so I... Pretty shortly after finishing the show, I started modeling um, macro data refinement as a as kind of a. I don't know if I originally knew what I was building towards, but it was the design is very accessible. Um, and yeah, it's a flat there. green wall, so, so or flat green floor. So do you just start by when you say like mapping and model, you like plat, you're like clicking green, 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 building white wall, 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 building right. out the cubicles, right, as if. Um, almost like Minecraft, yeah. right? You're building something in 3D that you can spin around. Is that right? Yep. And okay. so it was the fundamentals of it, like creating vertices, connecting vertices, making them into larger objects. But there's a lot of fun to be had with how do you make the screen reflective? How do you make, like designing the 3D materials that you apply to those geometries and testing different rendering engines and testing the lighting and seeing if you can match the lighting in the show. So I, I dove down a rabbit hole on that. Um, and the other, the other side to that is for my work um, as a creative technologist, I've been doing some uh, VR training in the government space, um, doing setting up VR simulations for like uh, medical logistics. So to some degree, super exciting stuff. And so that felt like it also translated right over to Severance. So the project that she's talking about that I'm working on um, in the middle of all this is I'm making a small trailer for what I imagine a VR Severance game would look like. That's so cool. I got really excited because I think VR has a really big role to play in the future mm -hmm. um, that we're just starting to tap into. And a lot of the ways it's being used right now is training. And a lot of the ways that I find it really interesting is using it for empathy in mm. training, something that's missing a lot. Like um, I've, I've recently watched my roommate go through training at a new job and she's just sitting in front of her screen watching video after video and they are storytelling videos, but there's no, and she might click like, which answer do you think? Yes or no, right? Like there might be some level of interaction, yeah. but like true interactivity is what makes something work. <laughs> I don't know if you agree. Uh, I talked to someone who did training for a very large chocolate company producer and did like a detective game in VR where you would come through and you have to be the detective to figure out where something bad happened at the factory. Mm. And, and that was like their way of training around safety. And they made it super interesting. Like you had to remember what happened and then go back into someone's office. Like they made it a game. So I think that's a really great place to play. But there's so many other applications of VR that we haven't tapped into yet. I'm really glad that you're doing something fun with it. Because... Um, the show, when I'm watching it now, I don't know if you notice this, when I watch it now, even some of the Audi episode scenes, not episodes, but scenes where he's at his house, I don't know what they did, but I was like, is this 
3D. Like, I like something about his house yeah. with the snow on it. It almost, like, there's something about this kind of sheen that's put over the entire show that feels very clean and not gritty, right? Everything. Diorama. Yeah. Especially his, his corporate yeah, Yes, diorama. Exactly. No, absolutely. And I think that with the with the training stuff, part of what's part of why I'm so excited about I'm really excited about used used correctly, I think is is the the important part. With VR training, you can be excited to do something that would otherwise be uninteresting. Like this this medical logistics training stuff they're working on. Like one of the first ones I did was interacting with a medical logistics system and um, taking inventory on some objects, unloading some things from a truck and putting them on shelves. But why is it fun to do in VR? It's it's a boring task, but the the novelty you, there's little elements you can gamify and whatnot. But I do think that what, that what done well, it's really engaging. So there's a thematic there's a thematic relationship between virtual reality and severance in my mind. In that mm-hmm. there's this world where you you know I think it was explored a lot in Ready Player One. I don't know if you've read that book or watched the show the movie. I- I should. It's, it's one of my favorite books. It's, it's a really fun book. Highly recommend. Um, yeah. Movies are fun. The movie's okay, but the, it, it explores a world where like everyone lives completely in VR, where you have right. an avatar that that person goes to work and goes to school through VR. You interact, you have relationships through your avatar. So I think in a lot of ways, that projection of like how you could potentially live a life and do things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do like during the pandemic, I downloaded the ISS app and was able to like go on a spacewalk on the International Space Station mm-hmm. and really feel like I was there. The only difference is I still get to retain that feeling after I take my yeah. headset off. Um, I guess just talk about like the thematic, you've worked in it a lot. What are some of the things yeah. that come to mind for you really, relating VR to Severance? Severance, to, to some degree, I, I feel like it it kind of handed it to me as well, um, That that connection. In episode one, um, when Heli is Heli wakes up um, in the the waking chamber, decides she doesn't want to be there. They Mark takes her over to the severed threshold staircase, um, which is uh, one of the barriers that can uh, kind of flip you back to your different your different. I think they call them perceptual perce- perceptual chronology. <laughs> can flip you to from any to Audi, basically. Um, and she walks through the door, and the next thing she knows, she's walking in the door again. And she tries that another a couple more times, and I think, I, I can't actually remember, it may be the first time she goes through the door. It's a first-person perspective. It's from her eyes, watching her hands push the push bar on the door, and watching the scene change to the hallway she just came out of. And I think... I don't know if it's a, an empathy thing, but it's a, but VR is an opportunity to feel that, to feel that disorientation. Or to feel that you're trapped. Right? Yes. That yes. you can't escape. Yeah. That idea of, oh, that's so true that like, because VR can be disorienting, you could actually use it to your advantage. Exactly. Oh, that's so cool, Alex. I love that. And you can, there's so many, the, the intro to VR class that I took freshman year blew my mind with some of the things that. Um, the different ways that we perceive depth, the different ways that we perceive and how many virtual reality being this, this screen in front of your eyes, there's a lot that you can do there, but there's also a lot of tricks that you have to apply tricks that you have to like keeping some things just out of eye line, keeping 
adjusting scale of objects so that perceptually it pers they might appear the right size even if they are the wrong size whoa there's a ton to <laughs> to the, the science of that um that just reminds me ursula k Le Guin wrote this short story that my friend had me read about um it's all from the perspective of this tree on the side of a road and it talks about how like whenever the tree sees an animal or a person coming it remembers to get different sizes so that the person thinks that it's a different size and it's coming towards it and it just like kind of flipped my mind inside out and i was like wait so the tree's always a different size than the way i see it and the tree's like oh a person's coming let me shrink 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 grow 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 and i was like oh. what <laughs> it was really interesting it was this idea of like that scale doesn't that the tree was like controlling it's anyway i'm getting off topic but that no. that you have to be in charge of those things so that my brain doesn't lose its mind right when i'm in vr it's really easy i mean we've been we've been doing vr stuff for a long time and it's still really hard for people to feel normal right there's still mm -hmm. a lot of wooziness <laughs> um i don't know if you i'm sure you're not one of those people but i'm sure you've had friends that just like faint or fall over right that they can't handle that sensation um, i don't know if you've heard it as something that you actually have to work through mm -hmm. um i have the uh, valve index vr headset do you know the game Half-Life, Alex? Yes. That, that I was not really sold on VR for a really long time, and then I played that game. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, it's a sci-fi story, but it this was built from the ground up for VR. So when I first started playing that game, I actually had to limit it to kind of like 15, 20-minute sessions mm -hmm. because I get uncomfortable get a little nauseous or something like that and so i actually had to build up that tolerance and now i think i'm at a i'm at a point where it's it's not something that i notice anymore i mean and the technology is getting better and better my favorite oh, vr game is moss where you play as a like mm -hmm. a huge godlike being overlooking this kind of smaller world but the, they can play with scale the thing about vr is like you can you have so much control over the tone of the experience because you're building the entirety of the world all around you, the the, the sound all around you. And that's why I think this um, trailer is just such a cool idea because, the, like you said, the show kind of already has this feeling that it is almost all CG, right? It's like the way that they chose to have the intro helps you kind of start to have that feeling from the beginning of like that he's a CG person. He's a, he's a 3D model person. And that carries through a lot, especially with the set design, the way that they did the lighting. The lighting's very flat all the way through the building. And the lighting only changes when there's something emotional happening to let you know emotions. Um, I just wanna I just wanna pivot a little bit to this quote. Um about, <laughs> and then I'll, and then we're gonna take a quick break, so I'll let you think about it, which is the from the, the quote from this episode is they're standing in front of Keir Egan. And he has a quote, in my life, I've identified four components, which I call tempers, from which I derived every human soul. Whoa, frolic, dread, malice. Each man's character is defined by the precise ratio that resides in him. I walked into the cave of my own mind, and there I tamed them. Should you tame the tempers as I did mine, then the world shall become but your appendage. Um, yeah, well, I guess I'll go into a break in a second. When it comes to the severance project, which of the four tempers are you kind of like oh. experiencing right now oh. <laughs> whoa frolic dread malice <laughs> right now right now uh whoa trending frolic whoa trending frolic. <laughs> do you want people to experience frolic when they're in the break yes absolutely i'm sorry when they're in the break when they're in the <laughs> game i was gonna say in the break absolutely have your fun typing um, 
in the game, I think it, it it is amazing that these these spaces that are so dark and gloomy can be so much fun to be in just just to see it on screen and then to be able to put the headset on and be in it. So, and yes. know that you can leave and take the headset off. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You always have that option. That's freeing. <laughs> Uh, and you always have the option to find us on Spotify or Apple um, at They Came From Outer Space. My name is Cameron Kitt. I'm here with Alex File talking about the TV show Severance on Apple TV. We're talking in specific about episode three in perpetuity. Schman's character. I walked into the cave with my own mind. Should you tame the tempers? But waking up on that table, I was shapeless. I learned that I work for a company actively caring for mankind's... Hmm. For fun. It's the perpetuity wing. It's the Egan's. All right, Alex, um, what com- what stands out to you most about this episode that you wanted to talk about? We l- learn the most about Lumen in this episode, and then we kind of, like don't loop back to it um which i think is really interesting where we 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 do loop back to like some of the concepts later um and of course you see i I was i was watching it before this um when they're walking through the perpetuity wing we get to see all the former ceos and people running the the egan corporation um we get to learn about kier we get to learn about we we get insight into this company's history and like you were saying from Irv who's this lover of company policy um (laughs) and so we get a really interesting perspective on that he's Um, excited about the new tote bag design for the handbooks aren't you (laughs) I am yeah so exciting um but I think it's really uh it is we get a lot of scenery that's different than it's still it's still ominous and it's still kind of oppressive but um it's a it's a museum at work um and in the same episode we learn uh we see more of Petey, we see more of cobell we see inside cobell's house for their first time um did you I, i was actually uh zoomed in on one of her things um when she is looking at mark through her window do you see the the of course we must be cut to heel yeah. on her wall, um, which which to me is like humor, right? Yeah. Which is like yeah. this woman has a we must be cut to heel. Um, what is that? Like stitch, cross stitch. Yeah. Wall. Yeah. I mean, Pat- Patricia Arquette is so good. We didn't even mention that Adam Scott is the main actor, but or maybe we did the John Turturro. Um, I just want to say in, in my in my travels and exploits um, and corporate marketing i actually traveled to the headquarters of a very large chicken production manufacturer in in the country and we went through their corporate museum and it is exactly like this it's like (laughs) exactly like this there's like a cardboard cutout of the old ceo there's like black and white photos back illuminated they're smiling customers there's like interactive 3d stuff and you're like kind of shepherded through it now at the time i was like this is awesome but it was just so funny because I was like, oh my gosh, this is like not a joke. This really is like, yeah. this does happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, co- corporations are like, look at how, I think my favorite is the smile wall. Or he's like, look yeah. at how the people we're helping, right? Like the fact that they don't have no idea what the company does, but they're cl- but he at least is clinging so desperately to the fact that they might be possibly doing something good just speaks a lot to the way that corporations control their PR and like what 
we want to know about them, right? Like a dream would be for the company yeah. for you to have complete control over the information you have. Um, yeah, there's that, you know, that scene where they first walk in to see his house. I'm pretty sure that's all 3D. I was like watching them close. I was like, that right. looks like 3D model figures walking into the building. You know, it's like, I think that they all just, did, I don't know, haven't confirmed that it was all in CG, yeah. but they mixed a lot of CG into the show. The best way to do it is to add it on top of existing footage, yep. I think. But like they're, it, they they have a good they have a good thing in that like the entirety of the office is like underground so you can just make it a big set i guess but yeah interesting stuff with with the lighting in that mm -hmm. way where they mm -hmm. like in the stairwell scene that we were talking about before i my perception based on what i've been able to see of the different things is like the severed floor is one floor below like it is right below the surface because in the stairwell is that sunlight that we're seeing is that oh. a fake light? Wow, because I always assumed it was so deep underground, right? Right. Interesting. But there's other wings that might be deeper. The testing floor that might yeah. be deeper. I think and that's what I love so much about it, right? It's like there's this endless kind of maze that you don't know what else is out there, right? And that's also part of what made me think of the, the VR game loop is what is the objective? And uh, do, do you know what like, procedural generation is? No, please tell me. So there are some games with procedural uh, caves or something like that, where you'll go in and every time you play the game, it generates it differently because it generates, it, you have a couple building blocks for like uh, maybe a, an X or a straight path or a T area. And it knows, it just generates and builds out a new layout for a cave or something, kind, kind of Minecraft-esque. Um, and these hallways are perfectly modular. And so for the VR thing that I'm working on, I built a hallway system so that um, I haven't made it like fully procedural, but you could generate infinite hallways. And Wait, so- so the hallway's never the same from one place to the other? So you imagine- never navigate, oh my God. Imagine that your goal is to map the hallways, but your <sighs> gameplay is different than every other person that plays. So you can't cheat and ask a person where a thing is on the map. Oh, okay. So, but you could map the hallway the way that Petey does in the show by drawing it out on a, on a, your, on a piece of paper. And in my mind, that's the goal of the VR game. But that's it also so gives cool. you this perfect loop of what happens if you're caught. You mm -hmm. go to the break room mm -hmm. and you actually have to sit there and repeat the compunction statement. I love that. I love that so much. That's so cool. Because I mean, let, let's, let's be real. A lot of games have been created based on TV shows and media. Yeah. Um, and only a few of them have been good, right? Like, um, there's even games that were put out by like serials in the '90s. They're like, here's the checks video game. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people who have created video games. The, the the one that stands out to me was a little bit before your time. What's the Phantom Menace game? Like, mm. that movie was like created in a way to sell the game. You know, it was like, all right, we're gonna sell a pod racing game. But a lot of movie and TV based games um, kind of fall short. But I think yours sounds like that idea sounds a lot like an old computer game called mist that was like one of the very first mm. where it's like it's just a puzzle where they they were this is in the early 90s mid 90s they were using the limitations of pc gaming which was like most of the screen was just like mist and, <laughs> and you could hear one sound right so that you're moving you're using like sound design and very small amounts of data to move through a space but um yeah the walls are modular right so they can't be that hard to render it's just white couple lines and it sounds Especially, like what you're doing is creating something that's a unique map for each person that plays it. That would be right now. I'm creating a trailer. It's, okay, it's yeah, I know this is the idea. Sorry, yeah, you yeah, are yeah, creating. Yeah. You are talking about the idea of creating. I like the idea. Just to clarify, this is an idea. 
And um, definitely one of the other parts of that is, I don't know if you've heard rumors about Apple's VR headset. No, I haven't. Tell me. Um, it's rumored. It's been rumored for years and years, but potentially this June, I think, is their Worldwide Developers Conference. And there's heavy, heavy speculation that's all peaking right now that they will reveal their VR headset. And Let's hope it's you know, not heavy. So, well, when you know when Apple really when Apple enters a new market, they kind of they tend to define a lot of things about it. So there's a lot of hype in particular about this, and so that I've been following VR rumors for a while, and so that paired with all of this is is part of my impetus for getting it out quicker. Mm-hmm. Is I want I don't know if Apple's working on something like this. If they are, I really hope they do. But I'm seeing a lot of people with the perception that Apple's going to lean into like the the work augmentation side of vr kind of like how meta tried to do mm-hmm, which is but like I, when surgeons can use it to to spin your brain around and figure yeah. out how they're going to do surgery mm-hmm. but don't lose the games like you have this great ip that would be perfect for for a vr game and so i'm, I'm hoping i don't know whoever sees it with the trailer that something can happen with it yeah Ultimately, if any <laughs> if anyone listening works at apple or has any connections it's Alex at alexfiel.com. Um, reach out to him, see what's going on. And I'm, I'll be eagerly awaiting seeing this trailer. I just think, I think as an exercise, it's really brilliant because you already have a lot of the boundaries defined. So you don't have to do a lot of this like heavy lifting. I'm like, what's it going to be about? Right. And you have some right. source material to work from. Um, so I think, I think it's brilliant. Uh, the thing I want to end with is coming mm-hmm. back to the kind of the filmmaker aspect of the show. Um, what would you say as somebody who kind of is working on the tech VR experiential creative side, what do you think people who are making films and TV shows, especially on the low budget sci-fi side can learn from severance? I have very much appreciated like the, the value of like blank space and pauses in this show and letting moments sit. Um, I tend to watch a lot of stuff on two X speed on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of the other shows I, I've been, I, I work out midday and I'm, I watch a show or something. So I'm, I'm burning through a lot of different shows. And a lot of the stuff that I watch is very fast, is very like cut, cut, cut. Um, and Severance is not high budget VFX. It's not, they're not doing the kind of alien swarms, robot swarms that Marvel is doing. They're not doing their sets are simple, their offices, there's something like that. And I think they, they, like we said with the Black Mirror thing, they leaned into a concept and they're exploring it. And it's fun as an audience member because you're there for the exploration. You're there for, oh, this is a way that you could do something in, an, in a really interesting way. Um, and, oh, I didn't think that it could ma- mean this. In, in an interview, Dan Erickson says, someone asked him like what have people not thought about with severance and he was like severance for working out like where you'd sever or i mean when we see a woman who severs herself to not experience pregnancy so that like there's i think that's what's going to come in the second season is that severance is way more widespread than you'd realize right because you might not if you had never known you got in the procedure you might not even know that you have an any and they might have another life i think there's so much to explore with it storytelling wise but yeah I mean, some people like working out. <laughs> Severance for Thanksgiving. <laughs> but this show also does a great exploration of what you lose in that in that in that um, 
in that bargain. Yeah. I, I mean, I just want to quickly ask you, okay, if you made a copy of yourself, mm. of your identity that starts fresh on a table with no, in, no other input, is that still you or is that a new identity? Depends on the, <laughs> I'm going to say it depends on the process. Cause what, as we're, as we're seeing in this show, how much can you really separate that person from yourself? I like mean, there's, what? yeah, because there's, I, there's personality things, but like Irving's personality, always, we don't know how different you're right. I, I, I like that question. That's what I, that's what makes this show art to me is like, it had me thinking, it had me talking to everyone, right? It had me, it had me plowing through, it had me mining the depths of concepts and it didn't in a fun way that didn't turn me off too much. You know, I think Black Mirror can turn a lot of people off. It's really too dark. Um, yeah. But I really appreciate what you said about the pauses. You know, Dan Erickson, I listened to an interview with him and Ben Stiller where the interview said, you know, Ben, I'm sure there's a lot of people putting scripts on your desk. You're a busy guy. And, they, and the traditional method is to do that. Grab your attention by the first page and run, 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 which is what I was taught. Right. Which is like, you got to hit the ground running. If you're writing a horror film, you have to have a scream first, you know, and this show is patient. Like the show is patient in the way that like being at work can be patient and like clicking through it. And Ben Stiller said, well, first of all, I'm not that busy. <laughs> and second of all, he was entranced from the beginning. So I think what I'm hearing from you is like, don't be afraid to use pacing to your advantage and don't be afraid to like give your story time to grow and don't worry about it having to be so click, cut, 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 cut. Is that correct? Yeah. From my expert opinion. I think <laughs> I love the I love the exploration of a concept and like commitment to this is the the hallmark of this show is not VFX. It is a concept that you want to know more about and they and they build that with you. It's just a great time. And and hopefully we will be building your game with you. Um so in the meantime Alex, where can we find you? You said it a couple of times, alexfile.com. And then I'm just working on random little projects in between, but hoping to get this this trailer out here in the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll be following you eagerly and we'll also be looking you up on Instagram. Um, definitely find us on Instagram. Um, they came from outer space underscore. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple. Feel free to give us a five star review on Apple. Um, you've been listening to WIR and they came from outer space. I'm Cameron Kitt. Alex File, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me.